Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, July 12th, 2020, we continue our series titled, The Parables. Today's sermon, A Heart That Hears God, will be taught to us by Pastor Bob Wade out of Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. Enjoy. You know, what makes the parables so amazing is how really picturesque they really are. Uh, I mean, you, don't, you can be young, you can be seven, eight, nine years old and really get the parables. You can picture them in your mind or you can be later on in life, you can be 90 or, you know, or even beyond and still get that same picture that maybe even that young child can get of that, of that truth. For example, you've got a camel that gets down on all fours and is trying to climb through and sort of work itself through the eye of a needle. Or you've got people that are trying their very best to sort of remove that little bitty, you know, little bitty speck that's in their neighbor's eye when they've really got this huge, you know, hunk and plank that's sort of coming out of their own eyes. It's kind of a funny picture. Or you've got a house maybe that's just completely divided and fighting it out, it seems like. Or you have two houses that are maybe sitting right by each other, side by side, one of them built on the, the sand, the other one built on rock, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the elements start coming, it starts raining and the wind's blowing and one of them crumbles to the ground. They're just amazing stories. A parable is a story. It's not a fable. It's not an allegory. In an allegory, every single little detail matters you know, some way. It's like if you were to, to go through maybe a C.S. Lewis book like the you know, Chronicles of Narnia, you know, all those little details matter, but that's not true of the parables. All the details are not vital to the overall story. Now, in the parable that we're looking at today, this parable is, a, is one of only two parables that Jesus will actually give us what this parable is all about. This parable is also painfully practical because see, every single one of us has a heart and we have to decide, is our heart open and willing to really hear from God? The truth is not every heart is prepared to hear from God. Not every heart wants to hear truth. Not, not every heart is ready. I mean, we've sometimes built our, our lives in such a way that every heart can be, or some hearts can be so full, the schedule can be so full of different things that we can't get God's desire in the middle of that. Now, I realize, of course, that God's word will tell us in Isaiah chapter 55, verses you know, 10 and 11, that God's word goes out and it never returns void. It will accomplish what God wants it to accomplish, but that does not mean that the condition of my heart is ready to receive his word. Ultimately, each of us needs to ask God as though God were the, the divine gardener. We need to ask him, God, would you be willing to, to look at my life, to weed all the things out of it that need to be removed, to alter whatever it is that needs to be altered so that I can be living the life that you want me to live, that you, I can be producing and, uh, fruit that you want me to produce. The parable here that we're looking at has some really incredibly important symbols. For example, the seed. 
The seed here is, is a really important thing because the seed here represents the word of God. In, or, you know, in this case, it actually is the kingdom, but you have to think really word of God. That, that word kingdom there means rule. And so when he talks about that, the word of the kingdom going out, it's the idea that, that he's talking about the fact that there's a new kingdom out here and somebody else rules in this kingdom. You know, the seed here also is what brings new life. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, Peter writes and he says this, he says, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the one, through the one, the living and abiding word of God. Now, there's a second symbol here, and that is the sower. The sower would be the one, like a farmer, or maybe if you, know, you were just planting grass sometime, if you, know, you put in a winter lawn or something like that, the sower would go out and they would throw seed and spread it all around. Now, in this particular case, the sower is the one that's proclaiming the word of God, but nothing is really said here by Jesus really about the sower, and so we're not gonna focus on that. But the third symbol here is the soil. The soil here represents the condition of the human heart. Jesus is going to say something very interesting in verse nine of the chapter here. He's going to say, I hope you listen. Be very careful how you hear. That's a really important statement. You know, twice in the passage here, Jesus will speak about the kingdom. He's talking about a kingdom coming, that he's calling people to follow and to be a part of this kingdom. But to be a part of this kingdom, you need to hear well. You need to hear well. That's so interesting because the more I thought about it, you know, normally that's not the way the kingdoms come about in this world. You know, in this world, when a, when a new kingdom is birthed, it usually comes out of war or revolution or some sort of political struggle. Even in a democracy like ours, I mean, every four years, we get to the place where, you know, we're so tired of things that we just want something changed or different or we want, you know, our person in there or we want these things and you, you seem to get this struggle that goes on between, between people and with the idea that there could be sort of a kingdom change. Ultimately, at least 51% of the people will decide that means that potentially 49% of the people are not gonna be happy. You know, that's the way it works in this world. But in God's kingdom, it's different. In God's kingdom only comes to those who hear, those who hear well, who receive what they hear, according to verse nine. And so Jesus' own words here are, we need to listen well. And that's where we really wanna start. And so I'm gonna ask you right where you're at, will you just stop and just join me for a minute to make sure our hearts are right before the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that our hearts, as we jump into this passage, would be open and ready, that we'd not take anything for granted, and that we would look for where we fit into the truth of this passage, Lord. With open hearts, we let you speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Matthew chapter 13. Let's look at the first nine verses together. Jesus stops and he says this, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat down behind, beside the sea and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. 
And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they had not much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun arose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So again, Jesus says, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. Then you get to verses 10 through 17, and Jesus will actually at that point give the exact reason for or the purpose of giving the parables. And that is so that who those who would hear would really be able to sort of picture this. They would really be able to get the idea. What is unseen to them would now be seen. But then also the idea that those who have hard hearts that really don't believe, that are going to maybe take this and hear and mock something about it, that they would not get it that they wouldn't understand. But then you get to verses 18 through 23, and now Jesus is going to give the explanation for his parable. Verse 18, he says this, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This was, was, this was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, and yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately he falls away. And as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. And as for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundred, and in another case sixty, and in another case thirty. So Jesus is going to give us here four different types of soils, but the truth is there are really four different types of hearts. And each one of them is exposed to the gospel message, the kingdom message. Now, the first heart here is the heart heart, the hard heart. You see that starting in verses 18 and 19. Let me read that one more time. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. That soil along the path would be hard. It would be pressed down, packed together, sun-baked. I mean, this is the type of soil that nothing would grow. Weeds wouldn't grow. Grass wouldn't grow. It's the kind of soil that perhaps, you know, people have used as a path, a walking path or something, or a bike path. They've used it for maybe hundreds of years, and nothing grows there any longer. You know, I remember as a kid growing up, my grandparents lived out in the, in the country, and and I would go out there and I would, you know, take my motocross bike out and I would ride. Oftentimes my friends would come with me and we'd go out there and we'd take my grandpa's, you know, tractor and we'd build up jumps and we'd build up great big berms so we could, you know, hit all of that and, and do all that stuff and we'd have these great races. And what's so interesting was, you know, all of us sort of, you know, finished doing that and finished school and, and did our own thing. But when you would go back, even 20 years later, 
you could see exactly where we rode because nothing grew there. We had, had gone over it so many times with our bikes and, and, and you know, the wheels had almost turned places on the dirt there, a dark color because you know, it had just been pounded down and the dirt became super hard. I mean, and, and there was just like no way that it seemed like any soil was gonna come in and get to the softer ground below because the dirt on the top was hard. That's this person's heart. Clearly, this is the most hopeless of the conditions that Jesus mentions here. This, this heart is so hard that truth cannot penetrate it. And it's not just the fact that their heart is hard. I mean, Satan actually works in, in conjunction in that situation to sort of make it even worse. I mean, in Luke chapter 8, verses 12, in a parallel passage, Jesus says this, the one along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and he takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. And that's sort of how it works together. Satan does that because according to John 8, 44, he is the father of lies. This is his nature. But then again, in 2 Corinthians 11, it tells us that he's out to confuse, to mislead, to deceive, to misdirect. That's his plan. Now, one question here would be is, how do you get a hard heart like that? I mean, how does that happen? I mean, people aren't really just born with hard hearts. How does that happen? It's interesting because there are some examples in the Bible of people that did have hard hearts. For example, in 2 Chronicles 36, it talks about a guy named Zedekiah. And Zedekiah was ordered, not only by his religious leaders there in Babylon, but even by King Nebuchadnezzar, who ordered him to bow the knee to the Lord God. And Zedekiah wouldn't do it. He stiffened his neck and he hardened his heart to turn away from the Lord. He was angry, see, because of what happened to him and what happened to his sons. The circumstances of life had made his hard heart. Then there was Jonah. You know, Jonah was told by God, Jonah, I want you to go to this place called Nineveh. And he's like, ugh, you know, I mean, listen, the Hebrews hated the Ninevites. But you go to Nineveh and you preach the gospel and all those people are gonna repent, and he didn't wanna do that. And he became angry and hard-hearted because he didn't like God's plan. And then if you go to Acts chapter seven, there's a story there of Stephen getting martyred for the sake of Christ, and as these Pharisees are martyring him, you know, he stops and just before he dies, he says, you are stiff-necked, you are uncircumcised in heart and ears. In other words, you don't like God's plan. You know, Romans one tells us that the hardening of a heart really comes because someone just will not honor God. They don't want to recognize him as God. They don't want to bow the knee to him. They're not going to do that. It's interesting, Romans chapter one, verses 21 through 23 say this. It says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Did you notice here what it said there in, in verse 22? It says they became fools. It's so interesting because Proverbs chapter one says exactly the same thing. In Proverbs 1, verse 7, it says, the fool despises wisdom and instruction. 
they don't want to hear it. You know why? Because if there's a kingdom out there, that means someone rules that kingdom. I don't want to bow to the knee to that person. I'm not going to. They won't rule me. I'm not going to submit my life. The truth is people love sin. Sin hardens our heart to the point that Romans 1 said they will just ignore God. They will ignore his attributes. They will ignore his sovereignty. They will ignore his love, his holiness, his omniscience. They don't hear. They won't hear. Now, the second group here, mentioned in verses 20 through 21, are those with a shallow heart. Again, look at verses 20 and 21. It says, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, and yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. This soil is basically just a little bit of dirt that's on top of a rocky area right there. It's very shallow. And because of that shallow depth of the soil, it could not root. Nothing could. It's not deep enough. This person, like the soil then, initially would be one that might get really excited, but then they would fall away quickly. A lot of people fit into this. There are people that will come along and they'll be attracted to the hope of the gospel. They're attracted to the fact that we say, well, man, God is a loving God, or you can find forgiveness in Christ. I mean, what's, what's not attractive about that? That totally is. Or they're attracted to the community of the believers because it just seems like, wow, where am I going to find people that will actually love me and care for me and hear and listen to me like people like that accept me? Or they, they see the beauty of worship and just there's something beyond them and that they, they want that. But the truth is the cost of following Christ, the call to be holy and to serve our God is just too much. And verse 21 there then tells us that the result of their shallowness is when difficulties arise and they do arise, that they have no depth. They have no knowledge of God's faithfulness, no encouragement of other believers, no root. Ultimately, they leave. You know, this person seems to be the exact opposite of a hard hard person who doesn't want to hear anything. This person seems to want to hear everything. And they embrace everything, and yet they embrace nothing. Intellectually, they hear, but they have no root. This person is the fulfillment of, of 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. It says, and they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they were not of us. There was no root. They're not really a part of the family. Now, there's a third type of heart here that's mentioned in verse 22, and that is the divided heart. Listen to what he says. And as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. Now, what's interesting here in verse 22 is the soil here is really not the issue. This person has the makings of a really good soil. I mean, a really good heart. The problem is they're not very wise. 
They've made poor choices along the way. They have allowed weeds to mix in among the crops. They're capable of growing something, but the problem here is that they've stuffed their life and they've filled it up with so many things that they begin to literally choke out the things of the Lord because of all the different events and, and activities that they're involved in. All the other commitments begin to take priority over the commitment that should be the priority of their life. This person is out of balance. We find out here that it says that the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, those things are so strong that they choke out the things of the Lord. This heart's only hope is that they would be okay, that somewhere along the line they would be okay with hearing you need to let the divine gardener weed your life. You know, if that's you, are you okay with that? I mean, what happens when the plan of your life doesn't work the way you want it to work? Do you get angry with God or disappointed with God? Or are you willing to listen and perhaps realize that God has a different plan for you? Now, the fourth type of soil You'll see in verse 23 here, and he says this, and as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed hear, I mean, bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. This soil is not hard, and it's not shallow, and it's not full of weeds. It's ready to go. It has a heart when it hears God speak that says, yes, God. I don't know what, you, what you're calling me to, but whatever it is, yes, God. That's what I want. You know, I don't know if you understand this or not, but you know, the Bible tells us that is exactly why we're here. In Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, it tells us that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God decided beforehand. Well, when is beforehand? Before the foundation of the world, God created you to be his servant. This is the one who's, who's ready. This is the heart that is ready. When God speaks, this one responds and says, yes. This is not the heart that says, ah, I'm really busy, or ah, that was really, really, really hard. I don't know if I can take the pressure of that, or another one that just says, I'm not listening at all. This is the heart, this is the heart that just simply says, yes, God, yes. You know what's interesting is most people when I talk about this, and I've, I've mentioned this to a few different people, I said, let me ask you a question. Where would you see your heart at? And most people have said, well, I think I'm between three and four on the soils. I think I'm between three and four. And they believe that they have a good heart, but they just have too many things that are vying for their time and their affection. The problem here, though, is, and, and we don't want you to miss this, because I don't want you to mix the two here on this one. There is a really clear delineation between the third and the fourth hearts. You see, the third heart is the person who God wants them to be something special, wants them to be a servant, but they aren't. 
they'd love to, to do that. They, they, there's a part of them that just says, yes, I, that's what I really want to do, but they don't. The difference would be is the fourth type of heart here, they do. They do to the point that the passage says in verse 23 that they, they produce a faithful life to 30 to 60 to 100 fold. Now, let me remind you of Jesus' command back in verse 9. Okay? Let me read that one more time. He who has ears, let him hear. In other words, I want to talk to you about something that's really, really important. I hope you're listening. I hope you see that this is the heart that I'm asking you to have. You know, it's, it's not an enviable, enviable place to be to stay in that third heart, to say, I have a good heart, I just haven't produced anything. That's not an enviable place to be. To have things that consume my life when it's God who's given me life. The scary thing is is some people will say, and I've heard him say this before, you know, I think I'd be okay with not being the fourth soil. I want to tell you that that is the road to becoming or having a hard heart. If Jesus isn't okay with it, how can you be okay with it? How can I be okay with it? I can't. The fourth heart here, the, this person here that Jesus wants to grow into the, the, the person they want him to be, they, they live in obedience to the Lord. They trust that, that God has a better plan, that God's way is the perfect way. They realize that every single thing that is in their possession is really God's and that God's gonna take care of them, that they are the steward of this moment, they are the steward of that items, but they're not the owner. Listen, if we honestly look at our lives, would we find full of weeds? The question is, what are we gonna do about it? Well, the question I guess would ask is, are you willing to ask the Father? God, would you get rid of everything that chokes out you in my life? so that I might begin to live and bear fruit as you wish. You see, the first three hearts here are wholly inadequate. None of them are the hearts that God wants. It starts with humility, though. I'm gonna ask the band if they'll come and, and join me. James chapter one, verse 21. James writes this and he says about humility, he says we are to receive with meekness the implanted word. I, I take that to mean that you and I are supposed to humbly place ourselves before the Lord and that means we are to humbly get on our knees before our God and ask God to make us who he wants us to be. And so I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask you if you, right where you're at, right there with your family, right there with your children, would you also get on your knees? Because the passage tells us in James we are to be humble, we are, we are to be meek about this. Would you get on your knees before the Lord and just invite God to do whatever he wants with your life? Would you join me? Father,
Lord, I come before you and recognize that you are the sovereign God of the whole universe. You are the creator of the universe. You created me. You have, you have set me aside to use me as your servant. You want me to have an open heart. You want me to listen, to do what you want me to do. Lord, I pray for our body, our, our, our people, that each of us, right where we're at, no matter where we're at, would humbly come before you and invite you to be the divine gardener in our lives, to change whatever you need to change, to do whatever you need to do, that our hearts might be pure and right and clean before you, to love you, to walk with you, to serve you, to be your servants, Lord. And Father, I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. This week, even today, I'm gonna ask you to humbly get before the Lord and ask God to begin to work in you. Ask God to give you the ears to hear. Ask God to do such a great work in you, in your life, that the question of who rules your life would never be a question again. Do that so that you might hear well. God bless you. Love you all.